I'm Julie Hyde, and I believe you can't be a leader of others until you are a leader of self. It all starts with leading you. So if you are ready to be the best leader that you can be, you're in the right place. I'll be chatting to a diverse range of leaders who will spill the beans on their leadership, how they changed the game, insights into their mindset, and how they built the courage and resilience to be a modern leader with impact. Let's get into it. With me today is Jules Brooke, and Jules is an experienced business owner, serial entrepreneur, and super connector that loves to share her knowledge and lift up the people around her. And she does this in many ways through her She's the Boss group, hosting events to connect women, and the podcast She's the Boss, and she's also a PR guru and has Handle Your Own PR and is an MC interviewer and all-round ball of energy. And that is just some of the really cool stuff that she does. So welcome, Jules. Thank you so much, Julie. I ha- or Jules, I should say, Jules and Jules. Uh, I can't believe that was all me, really. You know, when somebody else reads it and you go, really, did I do all that? Yes. <laughs> exactly. And we're going to be talking about some of that today. But I would love to start with my first question, which is, if you were the leader of the world for a day, what would be the one thing that you would change and why? Oh, my God. I'm, I don't know how people answer this because it's so hard. But if there was to only be one thing, I think I would make women over business women over 45 more visible. That's my thing. I just can't bear it that women over 50, I think, appear in less than 4% of media globally. There are no role models out there for young women because they say that they can't see them. And they need to know that there's women just like them you know, anyone can do it. You don't have to be a Melanie Perkins and make a billion dollar business before you're 30. But there's lots of different ways of looking at success. Absolutely. I love that. And I also find that sometimes women get more of the imposter syndrome as they get older, because it's like, oh, well, where's my value? What do I do? Where do I go? Am am I still of value? within the business community. So I find that there's a lot of questions being asked. I I feel that there's, I actually think that there's two ways because I absolutely agree with you. I think there's a whole lot of women that question their ability to do things, which is very weird to me, but anyway, that they do question it. But I think there's a flip side of it. And I guess because it's happened to me and I notice it happening with other women where I think when you get to that sweet spot of over 50, some switch goes off in your head and you go, actually, I don't really care what other people think anymore. I know what I'm doing and I know it's the right thing to do. So I'll back myself. And I do think that there's a bit of that that happens. And it's kind of a, look, I'm a terrible swearer and I'll try not to swear, but it's like I don't give a, a beep about what other people think anymore. <laughs> it's completely fine, but I think we know what you were going to say there. Yeah, it's like you can become really grounded in who you are and it's like, well, I don't give a shit what others think. And as you say, role model the way for others, which I think is incredibly important too. Yeah, I do too. Now, one thing that you are and you're well known for is being a super connector. 
and supporter of women in business. And that's through your She's the Boss group. What I would love to know is where did this passion come from? The, the whole She's the Boss story really started with the pandemic. So just before, at the end of 2019, I was very lucky in that I answered a Facebook post from a guy I'd never heard of who said, I'm starting a TV network and I'm looking for people to interview around innovation, business and technology. And being the uh, slut for publicity that I am, <laughs> I said, me, me, introduce me, interview me, interview me. So I turn up at this office in the city. I thought it was going to be some guy who had sort of built a studio in his bedroom. Um, and it was a step up from that. It was in a co-working space. It was just a little office. And I walked in and he put a microphone on me straight away and interviewed me. And I loved it. I think I've been waiting to be discovered all my life. Anyway, he then at the end of the first interview said, that was really fun. Let's do another one. And I said, okay. And at the end of that, he said, oh, my goodness, you're so much fun. Would you co-host the lunchtime show with me? So I was like, oh, my God, I've been discovered. This is great. So I did that for a while. And as I got to know him, and this became Ticker TV for anyone or Ticker News it is now, he needed more content and I said to him, I know a whole lot of people on the speaker circuit. They would be great because they've already got followers and if I introduce you to a whole heap of them, then you've got to let me have my show as well. And he said fine and I gave him 12 new hosts. I interview, in, introduced him to 12 people that hosted their own show and I said, I think I want to have a show called She's the Boss and I want it to be about women in business and, and for me, particularly entrepreneurial women, because I just don't see them anywhere. I never I never listen to TV shows where people talk about it. I don't hear about them on radio. I don't see them written about in magazines, really. And he said, sure. And I started doing this show. And about six months later, he was saying to me, look, with all due respect, Jules, I don't think anyone is really interested in listening to old women talk about business. And it just ignited this flame in me. <laughs> Poor guy, because he's much younger. He was actually targeting a younger demographic. But I suddenly thought, I'm going to do something about that. And at the same time, all these stats started coming at me. So the Gina Davis Institute of Media Diversity said women over 50 appear in less than 4% of media globally. And then on top of that, there was the Australian Institute of uh, whatever, it is, whatever it is, media diversity as well. And the, the research piece was who is telling Australia's stories. And it said that TV news directors in Australia were 100% white Anglo-Saxon men over 50, 100%. And having pitched shows to television before and had them knocked about and that people saying who would want to watch them, I suddenly had this kind of revelation and I went... Actually, the reason why we're not seeing it is not because there aren't people who want to do it or because women aren't being successful. It's because the people who are making the decisions as to what stories we hear about don't get it. And I understand that they don't get it because they aren't us. And I guess that's the, it was those things that started this passion in me. And from there, then the pandemic came and I just saw all these women that I knew. I'd been teaching PR, as you know, through Handle Your Own PR for years. And so I'd been working with a lot of women and I could see them all going, my career is over. My business that I've built for the last 15 years is dead. And I was going, no, no, it isn't. <laughs> and so I decided, well, I'll do some lunches, online lunches for women, because I always enjoy having a few drinks on a Friday. And when you work for yourself, you have no one to have that with, which I know you did the latte business as well. So it's that kind of idea of 
why don't we just connect all the women that are feeling isolated? And from that, She's the Boss kind of grew. And I realised, I, I then started, the when I lost the TV show, I started a podcast and a YouTube channel. And from that, I started interviewing women. And I realised that I could introduce a lot of people to these women and it would make a big difference to them in their lives. And so that's where the connecting came from. And um, and I realised that really successful women love to give back. They want to help other women. And so there's all these women holding back going, oh, look, I'd really like to ask so-and-so, but I'm sure they wouldn't be interested. And I was like, you know what? They would be interested. Let me introduce you. And that's kind of, I think, where it all came from. And I realised that, to, and you know, more stats kept on coming out. But another one I read was some research from the Harvard Business Review that said that women that men, if they, have a, if they have a support group, we, we all need a support group to succeed, but men can have either gender and it doesn't really matter, they will go further. With women, statistically, it makes a huge difference if they have women supporters as opposed to mixed gender. And I thought, right, well, we, you know, I'm a big believer in, in women backing each other. I've always been a big believer in lifting up the women around us. And I came across this saying that says, be that woman that will mention another woman's name in a room full of opportunities. And really, it became my motto. And that's kind of what I've been doing for the last three or four years, mentioning that woman's name in a place where I know that, my, you know, people might employ them or might get them as a consultant or go, God, I've never heard of that charity. Let me support it or whatever it might be. And that's what I love about you. You're just so willing to give and connect. Thank it's you. like it's something that just lights you up. It absolutely does. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I was going to say you have a bit of a reputation for doing the same, Julie. I have to say. So <laughs> I think maybe it's just like recognizing like, but uh, you know, it does light you up. It makes you feel fantastic when you can give an opportunity to someone else. Yes, I totally agree. Now, has being an entrepreneur, was that something that you wanted to do since you were little? I wanted, when I was little, I my favourite uncle in the world in Ireland owned a big PR agency and I wanted to do PR. I didn't even know what it was. I just wanted to be like him. And by the time I got to 24, I realised I wanted to run my own businesses, that I didn't like people telling me what to do, that I was a better person in, if I could just run my own race. In the last five years, I've found that one of my sons has ADHD. And as part of that process, <laughs> it was really interesting. They said it's genetic. And I said, well, we don't have anyone in our family that's that's got ADHD. And I said, how would you know? And she said, well, one of the classic careers for anyone who has ADHD is entrepreneurship. <laughs> and I went, wow, I've got three brothers. We are all entrepreneurs. And so it is, so therefore, I think maybe it was kind of destined without me realizing. I get bored easily. I'm a big picture kind of person. I'm not very good with detail. And so entrepreneurship suits me down to the ground. Yeah, awesome. Because you just seem to have ideas just coming Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> Which is something that is um, a real strength of entrepreneurs but can also be a bit of a hindrance. The whole thing for me is just, yeah, stay on track, focus, focus, focus. I have to keep telling myself because if I had my way, I'd be just helping people all over the place come up with ideas for things and how to implement it. I don't often come up with the idea without saying, and this is how you're going to be able to do it. Yeah, okay, so you solve the whole problem for them. That's right, that. and then I just go on to the next person. So how do you stay on track when there's, like, bright, shiny objects 
around you all the time because I know this is a huge challenge. It is a huge challenge. How do I do it? I don't know that I do it particularly well, if I was to be honest. I force myself to sit down and and say just another hour, just another hour, so that I don't think um, about doing other things. I also have recently done a diet thing. It sounds really crazy, but this diet called Metabolic Balance, which has been teaching me about different foods. Weirdly, all the symptoms or a lot of the symptoms of what I thought were ADHD have disappeared with food. And so I now am able to focus for hours and hours, whereas before, you know, I probably can put about an hour in and then I need to change and do something else. I recently sat down at eight o'clock on a Saturday morning to do some work and it was 5 p.m. before I looked up and I went, I don't think that's ever happened to me. So, yes, I'm getting better, but it's really, it's a struggle. I love new, exciting things. I hate getting down in the ditch and and doing the work that needs to be done. (laughs) Yeah. oh, my God, I've got this great idea, and then it's like, oh, I have to implement that. That's right. I'm like, let me just write out the plan and then find somebody to give it to who can then go and implement it. So that's why I love helping other people because it's all care and no responsibility. Love it all. So it's um, interesting you did uh, mention about the food and how that can absolutely influence how you're feeling and how you're thinking and your focus because it's it's so linked. We just don't realise No, and the other thing was water intake. I reckon I was probably drinking, I would say, probably a glass of water a week. I mean, I drank tea and orange juice and a whole lot of other things, but really a glass of water a week, maybe once a month. And now I'm at this part of this program, I have to drink three litres of water a day. It definitely makes a difference. And my nutritionist tells me that that's a lot to do with the focus as well. Yes, 100%. Yeah. You know about that. I didn't know about all of that stuff. (laughs) I'm on the other spectrum. So, Jules, one of the things you're really passionate about is changing how women support other women in corporate. Coming from the corporate environment and and given it was a long time ago and things are definitely changing, but stepping into the entrepreneurial world, I found that women are so much better at supporting other women, like you're a prime example, but in corporate, not so much. What are your thoughts on that? You know, given that you've met so many women, have you, you know, received that feedback? And is it something you see can and will change? Yes and yes. So my background, you know, I've talked about being an entrepreneur. I've pretty much been an entrepreneur since I was 24 and I'm now nearly 57. So I've been, it's been a long time since I worked for an organisation. But I have interviewed probably 250 women over the last two and a half years a lot of those women have talked to me about the difference that they are seeing when they come out of corporate and they start working for themselves or if they just work in the small business sector. Uh, So that was the first thing. I remember what it was like. I have now talked to a lot of employed women as well. And one of the questions I ask in She's the Boss Chats, which is my podcast, is have there been any women that have helped you in your career? Most of them will say, yeah, oh, my God, yes, there was some great woman when I was younger and, you know, they took me under their wing and they really looked after me. I'll talk to senior women in corporate, so CEOs of big organisations, and they will literally look me in the face and say, I can't think of any women that have helped me. It's always been men. And I realised that there was this huge problem and also a complete disconnect. And I've got a theory about it, and it's it's a bit of a feminist theory, but I hope it's not going to put people off. But I actually think that 
because society and business has been so predominantly run by men and men are often taught to, that to get the best thing out of someone you get them to you put them head to head and make them compete against each other and it's kind of that survival of the fittest and i think that that kind of patriarchal model is throughout corporate that is why the women who are nasty to other women or unsupportive i think are coming from a place of fear they're coming from a place of insecurity they don't realize that if they help other women that they'll have this huge team of people that supports them they see it as that person might take my job and i don't quite know how to change it other than to i've got a program called say my name which is about getting in there and and basically talking with women twice a month at various events with other CEOs and and other successful business women and all of us saying the difference it makes when you support each other and knowing that you've got women that you can trust in this organization will make a huge difference to your success look there's there's a fabulous woman that i know and i don't think she will mind me mentioning her name because it's part of her shtick these days mary jensen told me that she was cfo of quite some very big businesses and for her to measure her success she did it by if she could make someone cry or she felt like she had beaten someone down verbally and she said i know that everyone called me the biggest bitch in the place and that everyone hated me and i think she, i can't remember what she said she was called basically like the freak or something and she said my days were just filled with people who hated me but i would work really hard i knew i was achieving and i saw that as the price or the cost of being successful and now that she's left and gone out on her own she's absolutely divine now and helps everyone but it has been a huge revelation for her and when i was chatting to her i thought I think that that is part of the the myth out there that if you become really successful I know that it's not what the leadership programs all talk about but in reality there are a lot of very successful men and women but a lot of men who are very cold and unforgiving and very left brain so there's not a lot of emotion in anything that they're using to make decisions which of course now you know you hear about people in corporate and there'll be people and it's very denigrating to say don't be so emotional well what's wrong with being emotional isn't why is being emotional seen as a negative thing why can't it be seen as being a positive thing so i think that there is change in the air i think that we know that leadership now you can lead with kindness you can lead with nurturing you can lead with bringing the best out of people and making people feel safe but i think there's an old fashioned model that is still around that needs that will just take time which is get pit people against each other it's survival of the fittest and if they have to crawl all over each other to get to where they're going to go and leave a an array of bodies behind them well so be it that's the price of success and i'd like to see that change so so my i'm hoping that by talking about it a lot and by offering programs where people can see other women who've become really successful because other women have supported them they will understand and i think if you can get to the younger women and and that early sort of middle management that's that's the crucial pay, stage where you go build your posse here and they will follow you all the way up to whatever role you're in you can all look after each other i 100% agree with that i totally support every single thing you said there i really agree i think that we need a real groundswell from the middle management you know if we're going to talk hierarchy like the the ground level to middle management 
who just want to flip that thinking and role model the way forward. And that's with everything that you mentioned in terms of women supporting women, but, you know, leading with kindness and supporting. And creating opportunities for other people and trusting that they will do the same thing for you. Yes, yes. And it's doing things, not expecting something back, which is something that you role model really well. I mean, you don't say, oh, okay, sorry, and what are you going to do for me? No, no, I don't think, probably to my own detriment, to be honest, I probably should say it occasionally, but I just don't think like that. I think about, you know, if you, if we all, if we all rise together, we all succeed. And if I get left behind because I've pushed up women behind in front of me, then they're going to reach behind and pull me back up when they can do that. I I mean, I just think that's, that's the right model. Yeah, I, I agree. And those who get it will do that. And there are those who just don't get it. And they're dinosaurs and they will die out as as dinosaurs did. <laughs> they become totally irrelevant. So <laughs> I, I agree. So, Jules, oh, my God, this time has been, it's just gone so fast. Besides the action of, like, women supporting women, what? do you encourage women to do now, whether they be in corporate or whether they be as entrepreneurs, what do you think is really important for them to do now? You know, there's constant change in the world. AI is changing the way we work, the way we communicate, like PR, all of that sort of stuff. What's something that you really encourage women to do? I encourage women to think big. I encourage women to make themselves visible. And I know that a lot of people find that very uncomfortable. But I, in fact, have just spent most of the afternoon talking with women and saying the best way to put make yourself more visible is by sharing your advice, sharing your expertise, talking about other people, talking them up being generous in your time and in the effort that you do with other people because it will reflect back on you. But ultimately, we need younger women need to be able to see older women doing that so that they can role model. Otherwise, otherwise we're just caught in this ridiculous cycle where nothing's going to change. And I mean, I also think that I would like to see people actively favouring women for roles. And I can talk with you till the cows come home about this merit thing. Because if I hear one more woman or man say, I wouldn't want to be, no, I don't don't want to be made CEO because I'm a woman. I want to be done because I'm best at my job. And my answer to that is no one is going to put you in as CEO if you're not good at your job. But there are choices and there are men and there are women who are doing it. And we've got a dominance of men. So we need to actually lift the women up and find the great women out there that can do those things. So if I was to talk about one thing, I think we need women to be more visible and I think we need all types of women, all shapes and sizes, all skin colours, all religions, they all need to be made more visible, which will then encourage us to see that as normal. Yes. Great message. I love it. So be loud and proud, loud and proud. But I think like the loudness can be in line with you as an individual and making sure that that's authentic. So while I might be out there being like really loud. But you might be the person in the background that quietly does it. It doesn't really matter. It's not about really being loud. Being visible is 
sharing your knowledge is another way of doing it. Like I always say to you, there's a lot of introverted people who are like, oh, my God, I could never do an article where I said, you know, I know the answer to everything. And I'm like, I know, but you could probably feel pretty comfortable helping someone avoid making a mistake. And probably in your industry or in your expertise, you know the common mistakes people make. So why don't you just try and help people to avoid making those mistakes at the beginning? I mean, that's a very easy thing to do where you're not putting yourself out there and you're not aggressively screaming from the rafters how great you are, but you are actually building some visibility by helping other people avoid making mistakes. Yeah, good distinction. So it's about changing the lens on how you're looking at it because people will no doubt need to hear your voice and they in some way and they need to see you to recognise the potential and opportunity in you. And one of the other things I say is it's really important for women to have influence and power and women go, oh, my God, what do you mean by that? And I'm like, if you're a purpose-driven woman and lots and lots of people are purpose-driven these days and I would say particularly younger women, we want to disrupt industries, we want to make change happen, You can't do that if you're a little mouse in the background and nobody knows you exist. You actually have to step forward and be brave and say, if I am trying to, you know, whatever it might be from from things that are sustainable, helping people with cancer, making women more visible, whatever it is, you do have to step forward and get some power and influence and, you know, surround yourself with people that are smarter and more successful than you and learn from them. But if we're going to have influence, then, you know, if we're going to make the change happen, you have to have an element of power and influence. You can't be someone in the background. No, exactly. Jules, wonderful note to finish on. Very empowering. And thank you for being part of leading you today and for all of the incredible work that you do to empower women and to make a real difference for them. Well, thank you so much for what you do as well. And I'm just so glad we've met. (laughs) Thanks, Jules.